Hello, I'm Josiah. And I'm Jessica. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. Right now, I am a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I'm an agnostic and also very much not an evangelical. And we are deconstructing together. And reconstructing. Together. Together. <laughs> Listen to some of our key episodes, such as... Deconstructing Together. Domestic Abuse. I am a Survivor. The Cult of ATI Part 1 and Part 2. And Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First time doing our new intro. We're excited. Yes. So, what are we talking about today, my love? Today, we are talking about a very hot topic. <laughs> a topic. <laughs> You're funny. A topic, though, that wins elections, literally, at other times. Um, abortion. We are talking about abortion. One vote. Like, abortion became, like with the election that just passed, it's just really interesting to notice and read some of the history on how abortion has become the way to to get votes mm-hmm. um, from evangelicals. Yep. And a while back, I read an article on um, called how I lost my faith in the pro-life movement. And it's someone that had been very involved in the pro-life movement. And she made so many good, good points in the article um, that just kind of blew my mind. Like it it really helped me see through some of the shit. (laughs) Um, And by the end of, it's pretty long article and really well written um and by the end of it i was like i'm pro-choice um do i want abortions to be minimized and become less for sure of course but i'm pro-choice because it makes a lot more sense the whole as a whole the whole thing makes more sense than the pro-life and it just seems like it would be really good to um highlight some of those things that um, is bypassed when we talk about abortion uh, with very heated uh, <laughs> pro-life mm-hmm. folks, which I understand. I understand why it's heated. They want to honor human life. And if they see human life as created by God, then they for sure want to honor that. Um, but it's so much more complex. It's a very complex issue. Yeah. And we can't just use gore and use whatever manipulation tactics to to scare people out of it like you really it's a complex issue and it's not just it's not black and white Mm -hmm. like that's what i'm discovering so much of life right now it's just it's not black and white Mm -hmm. Um, and i had you know as i'm on my journey just you know questioning the things that i've never dared to question there's so many things that this is one of them <laughs> especially if you want to be employed within fundamentalism evangelicalism yeah you know anglicans or lutherans if you're a pastor you're you have some job security but as an evangelical you have no job security no and you need to just stay miles away from ever questioning certain doctrines yeah um and so some things it's just like I'm kind of like, I've never asked this question, so I just want to ask it. And I asked a question on Facebook, if Demo- if 
left-leaning policies actually reduced abortions more than right-leaning policies, would you consider voting left, not right? And it became this huge discussion. Um, and the further it went on, the more apparent it was that actually, and and I, I've seen more and more evidence for this, actually left-leaning policies such as um, health care and contraceptives and sex ed and all these sorts of things actually dramatically reduce abortions. And you can measure it. When Republicans get into office, there's more abortions, significantly more abortions. When there's Democrats, there's significantly less. And that's, you know, for a lot of reasons we'll probably talk about. But it was very interesting to see people's reactions and ultimately to see that it didn't seem like it really even came down to reducing abortions. It became this moral issue, this black and white issue, this... um, Moral high ground. More definitely a moral high ground, and you could definitely see, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, about thought stopping. People would just say, oh, "It's the Holocaust. It's you know, ba- babies getting cut apart. You know, just, just these emotional things that, it's like I'm trying to tell you this is a way we can have less abortions. We should be on the same page, but people just, you know, they 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 shut down their minds. They shut down the conversation yeah. with these emotional rhetoric. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, I had this thought of, like, brainwashed in a way. Because it feels it's like, like it. yeah. you just thought so strongly that this is the only way to think. Otherwise, you're approving of babies being torn apart piece by piece. And you're wearing mm-hmm. it as a badge of honor. And you're all for all these girls getting abortion anytime they... Instead of using contraceptive or things. Like, it, they use horror. Mm-hmm. And they use... It's like brainwashing that if you don't believe that then you must be pro-life and there's mm-hmm. just no other way around it whereas that's not the reality the reality is that the pro-choice side um focuses on bringing birth control and doing sex ed sex education is really important mm-hmm. <laughs> um but just to stay on that point for a second it just yeah. occurs to me too like every issue we talk about, we could go to the emotions, yeah. right? Like immigration, it's like we could go on and on about like, and maybe we should go on and on about children getting separated from their parents. And I've heard about forced um, vasectomy or forced uh, sterilization, forced sterilization of women. And like, you know, you could go or you could talk about war and, and you could talk about babies getting blown apart because it happens in war and you could show gory pictures, you know. But usually when you're having a discussion, somebody will say, raise their hand and say, whoa, let's not get too emotional, you know, because you don't want to get too emotional in the, in a bad way of like shutting down your mind because you can't be super emotional and also have a reasonable discussion. You need to yeah. be able to talk about the policies. I mean, you can't be cold. No. You do need to see the human component of it, but but it is a debate tactic. Yeah, right? it's a tactic. You need to be able to step back and look at the big picture. Yeah. Just step back. Step back from the idea of a baby being torn from the womb and look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. There's a woman sitting, laying there on the table while this is happening. Mm-hmm. What about her? We never hear about that. And what are the complex social issues that brought that woman to that place? Yes. Yes. That's the bigger discussion. It is. Yeah. I mean, I... Coming from a fundamental background, I just think, like, how many 
girls raised just like me in church mm-hmm. ended up getting pregnant, having no sex ed because we had a zero sex head. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't know how it worked. Didn't know like pregnancy. Didn't <laughs> know birth control. Didn't know any of those things. Finding yourself in a place pregnant and knowing, knowing that the church judges any yeah. pregnant single girl harshly. I mean, I was in a church one Christmas Eve service and the pastor like talked about how embarrassed and ashamed Mary must have been to not be married and be pregnant with a baby and stuff. And after the service, this girl gets up heavily pregnant and single in church. And I just watched her stand up and leave the church. And I just thought, how heartbreaking she was just judged and put down Mm -hmm. as the most horrible sin ever. Mm -hmm. So how many of these women, these girls end up getting abortion because they know the church will judge them forever. Mm -hmm. will never forgive them. Even if they follow through and give birth to this child. So they'd rather have an abortion in secret. Mm -hmm. Like we're missing that in this equation. We're missing the woman on the table forced into this place. And I would dare to say that the majority of women getting abortions don't want the abortion. Mm -hmm. But they are stuck for one way or another. Maybe they're stuck because they're from a Christian circle that will judge them and won't support. Or will support with strings attached and judging. and look down on them or maybe that woman is there because she can't she's her husband left her or her boyfriend and she can't feed another baby i mean i recently heard of a woman that was going to put her born baby up for adoption because she couldn't feed she couldn't make ends meet and she could not provide enough food she was not eating herself to give enough food for her her kids and she's like well maybe this youngest one won't remember if I put her up and this group of secular women from all over the states joined together to provide her groceries for months and months every week different person would sign up to provide groceries so she could keep her child hmm. when do you see this in the pro uh, life circles I'm sure it happens mm-hmm. but I sure don't hear about it yeah. You know, and it if a woman is not able to feed herself because she needs enough money to feed her kids and she finds herself pregnant, she has a horrible decision to make. Mhm. And then we look at it and there's the man and it's like where's he in these situations where the woman ends up needing an abortion? I mean, <laughs> that is an issue too. Mhm. Um <sighs> It's not just about the babies. Mm-hmm. I want the babies to live, but like step back, take a step back, see that woman laying there. Mm-hmm. And see it as, as part of a bigger social mm-hmm. rubric, you know, yeah. all these issues, you can't just, you can't just cherry pick one issue No. and say, I don't know, like, you know, drunk driving. Oh, that's, that's the problem right there. It's, it's, what is the bigger problem? What's the bigger picture? Step back from, from the crisis and, and see the bigger picture. Yeah. And the things that I heard you say is, 
you know, policies. Why is this woman in, in such a situation where she can't afford the baby? Mm-hmm. And then stigma. Are we accepting? Mm-hmm. You know, people often challenge Christians. Well, what are you doing to help if a woman to, to keep the baby? You know, and, and some... Some churches support crisis pregnancy centers, but realistically, like that's going to help usually pretty short term. Yeah, it is you know, a stroller and some diapers, and that's all you know really helpful. Yeah, but you know, I have been in church my entire life, and you know, sitting here right now thinking, I can't think of a single, I can't think of any single woman in our church. Now, maybe there were a few. But usually when something happens, people just kind of disappear from mm-hmm. the church. They they don't feel welcome because there is a stigma. There and church is, is for, church. you know, people that fit. And if, yeah. if we are really going to be pro-life, I would love to see churches accepting. Well, one thing I've heard you mention a lot the last few couple months is that the church is quick to support widows and orphans overseas. Mm-hmm. Orphanages and... Like South America and in Africa and and widows and all that, which is great. It's so great. Mm-hmm. But I, what I've heard you talk about the last couple of months, I thought it was a really good point. Is that orphans and widows? What is the equivalent nowadays mm-hmm. here in our country in our culture? It's single mothers and their kids yeah or single dads there are some single dads mm-hmm. and their kids too for sure mm-hmm. um they are the equivalent of widows and orphans and they need the help it's not just the you know like when we were missionaries overseas no problem getting the money to be mm-hmm. supported to be missionary overseas because it's exciting to support someone overseas yeah then we came back and we're missionaries in our own country um not so exciting mm-hmm. and very difficult for us to raise enough money to live um because it's not exciting Mm -hmm. and like it or not the church likes to support what's exciting (laughs) because it's easier to raise money that way Mm -hmm. i get it is it right probably not (laughs) but i get why it's like that and it's the same when it comes to widows and orphans i mean you can put up on the powerpoint pictures of these orphans in an orphanage and their mom or their moms like in third world country and it's a lot easier to raise funds for that mm-hmm. um, than it is for the mom that's your neighbor or down the street and has kids to feed and has to work full time and can't make ends meet still. like it. And it seems less messy. Like it seems yeah. like if we send money over there... It's done. 100% it's going to help and, and we're doing a good thing. Well, actually, you know, it might be more complicated than that because it something is. I've heard is... If there's a great orphanage, sometimes parents that could raise their kids send their kids to an orphanage, so it's and it's something that you need to sort through, and hopefully your mission agency is conscious of that. But And so you might think, well, I can't help the neighbor down the street. Like, it's all messy. I don't know what's happening with her situation, with her family, and whatever. Well, you know, jump, into the, to judge. <laughs> jump into the mess. You know, like, real life is messy. And can you help somebody without knowing that, like... Mm-hmm. like it, it it can be messy and, and... Yeah. but yeah definitely like in jesus time men tended to marry down around 15 to 20 years and then they died around you know age 40 45 to 50 so there were a lot of widows 
women that had young children that didn't have a man to support them. So it was a real pressing issue. Nowadays, you know, people t- tend to marry the same age. And so there isn't the widow issue, but there is single mothers. That is the, that is a really big issue. And we need to have the, the consciousness and the creativity to say, look, you know, James one twenty seven says, pure religion and undefiled in the sight of God is this, to visit widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself unstained from the world. And we're very good at keeping ourselves unstained from the world, but what about visiting widows and orphans? What about looking out in your community and saying, who are the women who are working a 40-hour job and then coming home and trying to be a single parent to two, three, four kids? How can we help them? Mm-hmm. Because that is crushing. Like, they need help. They need financial help. They need emotional help. They need help in all the ways. And not stigma. Yeah. And if a woman is in that sort of a situation, she is not making it. You know, she can barely keep her head above water and she's failing. You know, she feels as though she just can't do it. And then she gets pregnant. She's in a desperate situation. Nobody's helping her. And the solution for a lot of Christians is to say, if she's going to go to an abortion clinic, make sure there's somebody there to yell in her face that she's a murderer. And then when she comes out, you know, she's on her own. She's on her own. Yeah. Is there, is there a better way? Yeah. Another um, aspect of this I did want to talk about as well. Um, You probably have thought of it too but you mentioned it briefly earlier but it's birth control mm-hmm. um left or right like pro-life movement is very much anti-birth control um definitely saw that in my fundamentalist circles i mean even encouraging like i just heard so much negative about getting your tubes tied and all the side effects and getting vasectomies and what it might do to the man and Uh, birth control might cause abortion and all these things like Mm -hmm. such a stigma of birth control that you end up feeling like what option is left for me to take or to do um to not get pregnant and like maybe condom well then i often have heard on woman group well the man doesn't want to use a condom Mm -hmm. so that plays into the abortion right Mm -hmm. this whole anti-birth control uh, because birth control is a huge key issue to reducing abortions. Mm-hmm. And also not just being for birth control. Um, I mean, we can support science to make even better birth control mm-hmm. if you don't like the ones available. But also like um... <laughs> what was the thing? <laughs> um... Oh, making it affordable. Right. Because I remember early on in our marriage, we could, like, you were a full-time student, and it was a lot of expenses, and making ends meet sometimes was a little bit tricky. And I remember going to pharmacy to get a month of birth control, and being like, uh, never mind, I'm not going to buy it. But, like, <laughs> that's sad. Yeah. That birth control is so expensive. Mm-hmm. And there are a few places that you can get it subsidized, but it... You have a lot of hoop loop, loops hoops <laughs> to jump through <laughs> to get it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think you also have to meet certain criteria and sometimes you just fall through the cracks of those criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like 
birth control can be really expensive. Um, and if you don't have a job that has good benefits to help you with it, it could be a real hindrance. And I have heard of women in my life that have gone pregnant because they couldn't get the birth control in time. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. And we're Canadians, but I did hear in other podcasts that one of the things that Planned Parenthood does is provide birth is provide control. birth control and yeah. something that's really important too is stigma free you know yes. like you yes. just go in and you get it and because uh in the book pure it was mentioning that and i've heard this from other places too that actually statistically speaking christian kids have sex just as much as non-christian kids there is no appreciable difference in the statistics the only difference is the christian kids don't have sex ed or they have abstinence-only sex ed. Yeah. And when you're a 16-year-old girl and the 16-year-old love of your life, you know, like things are getting heated and it's the moment and you feel as though if you say no, that will end the relationship. And, you know, like it's, there's hormones and it, it, it just seems like the most important thing in the world at the time. And I mean, we were all young at one point. Um, like there needs to be a plan. Yeah. There, there needs to be some... Teens need to know about birth control. Yeah. Even if you're teaching them to abstain and to wait, they should still know about birth mm-hmm. control because ultimately it's their choice what mm-hmm. they do with their bodies, mm-hmm. not the parents. But it's the parents' responsibility to take care of their kids. Yeah. And that means provide the right information. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear parents being against like birth control being available through the school, like in high school. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, unless the parents are willing to provide it at home, like it needs to be available somewhere, yeah. and those are the ages that need that. Like it's really important. I mean, yeah. they're still kids; they're still growing up. Like their brain's not fully exactly developed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so teach them to abstain if that's what you want, but also make sure they know about birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just being safe. Yeah. It's not just to avoid pregnancy. It's also diseases and stuff. Like, you're not taking care of your teen if you're not making that available. Um, But how much does this lead to more abortions? Yeah. Um, Because my parents are going to kill me Mm -hmm. if they find out. And they're not necessarily wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They might not kill them physically, but they'll kill them emotionally. Yeah. And and this is, again, like we mentioned, black and white thinking, like we need to be able to have an ability to say, well, this is bad, but something else is worse. Mm-hmm. You know, like clearly none of us wants our kids to have like tons of multiple sexual partners before they get married. Um, like abstinence would be a better plan, but what is worse? Would you rather have your 16 year old daughter having the, the decision of either bearing this child or having abortion, or would you rather that she had the, um, the contraceptives in place so that she didn't get pregnant? And then what if she got raped? Yeah. You know, that, that's another thing that we're not, you know, thinking about is at least if there's some sex ed, she can know for one thing, what to do, how to report it after the fact. Yeah. That's another important key there. Yeah. With sex ed, like teaching the right names for body parts Mm -hmm. so that you can 
report it. Because yeah. when you report, you need to have the right terms. And how many of the good Christian girls like I was mm-hmm. would have known how to do that? I don't think I would have. Yeah. And basic things about keeping yourself safe, not walking down that dark alleys, but also... Yeah, or that you get raped and you like don't get to take a shower. Like, yeah. Even though you want to, go to the hospital or police right away. I mean, these mm-hmm. are... Birth- and that most yeah. rapes happen uh, with a trusted person. Yeah. And so, and then what, what does consent mean? Yes, that's a that's huge, a huge one. one. Huge one. So that consent. you understand, you know, because uh, an abusive person is going to gaslight you into thinking that you consented to it. But, you, you know, to understand that an enthusiastic yes is consent. Yes, absolutely, I want to do this. Not, oh, no, maybe not tonight. No, no, no. That's not consent. No. And so you need to know what that is. And and parents need to be communicating that to their children, boys and girls, what consent means. And that starts, sorry. And and it starts young. Yeah. It starts very young. Like from a young age, do you want to give grandma a hug? No, that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. You have to give consent. Mm -hmm. Do you want, like, that's a basic example, but it's, we forget, like, it's not, handled well in most mm-hmm. families like ah, oh, just give grandma a hug give grandpa a hug they love you they're family give uncle or aunt a hug but the child doesn't want to that's fine they are allowed it's their body and that's mm-hmm. just one small way to start teaching about consent mm-hmm. um Anyway, what we're saying with birth control is that really opposing birth control drives the abortion rates up. Yeah. So that's a really important one to to um to teach. I mean in Bible school I remember being taught against birth control. Um it was out of the Bible school setting, like but it was still at while well, I was at Bible school with all the other girls mm-hmm. from Bible school, like a, a Bible study basically. Um and then it just made me terrified of taking birth control. Mm-hmm. But, like, there are a lot of options, and there are a lot more options now, and you're sure to find one that is comfortable. Um, and that, in the article, she was talking about, like, in relation to birth control, she was talking about how people say, like, oh, well, birth control aborts babies, because, like, you have this, impl- uh, you have this uh, fertilized egg, that she calls it, gets, that fails to implant, um like because the birth control make it that it can't implant Mm -hmm. so um so it gets flushed out with the period um and so they're against birth control uh pro-life common argument common argument that birth control causes abortion because the second that is not able if an egg ends up being fertilized like if it gets past the hormonal blockers or whatever um and fertilizes an egg then it can't implant because birth control makes it that it can't um, implant in the wall of the uterus. So it'll be just flushed out. So they're like, well, that's abortion. That's murder because this fertilized egg is flushed out. But the thing is, like, this happens in probably half of pregnancies, naturally occurring pregnancies that are not on birth control. There'll be a fertilized egg that can't implant, doesn't implant for whatever reason, and gets flushed out. Mm-hmm. 
So it actually, like, she makes a point, like, if you really want to, that to be your argument for pro-life, then you're better off on birth control because you actually lose less fertilized eggs. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, that's really fun science. <laughs> that, like, if you're on birth control, it's less likely for an egg to get fertilized and then get flushed out because they can't implant. Then if you're not on birth control not preventing then it's like you actually lose a lot more fertilized eggs mm -hmm. then <laughs> so it's like this is not a valid argument mm -hmm. um but you never hear about that you only hear about this creates abortion um it's like well if this creates abortion then half of the women that are not on birth control and trying to have a baby also are aborting babies like losing babies you know like it mm -hmm. It's just not valid. Um, take a step back and look at the bigger picture again. Yeah. And it's what happens when people have an agenda and they want to prove a point. Yeah. And then they do a little bit of scientific research and they're like, oh, the zygotes are aborted. And then that becomes their proof for yeah. something that they already want to prove. Yeah. Because Christians exactly. have kind of had... Good at that. <laughs> Christians have kind of been against birth control since birth control came on the scene. I mean, the Catholics yeah. Yeah. have explicitly opposed it, but, you know, Christians have kind of been against it, you know, for the most part as well. Because, you know, suppose, well, because of its its association with the sexual revolution and and a lot of conservative Christians would just like to have the big families and the nuclear family like it used to be back in the 50s and before. Um but birth control is extremely important for women, even married yeah. women, you know, like for us, it's like, if we couldn't have spaced out our kids, things would be very different. Yeah. Even just as far as spacing out kids, like it's important if, if you get saddled with a whole bunch of kids really quick, that becomes very, very difficult. Like, I can't imagine anything just get more difficult. You get overwhelmed. Life. And there's no, there's no turning back. You know, this is something else, is that we, we tend to glorify the good old days before there was birth control. Oh, you know, look at Jonathan Edwards or whoever, who was the 14th kid of this big family. The reality of that is, A, a lot of kids died. And part of that was malnutrition. And part of the reason for mal malnutrition is you got 12 kids and you can only feed five. And those big families where a lot of them lived likely it's because they were affluent they were somewhat wealthy jonathan edwards came from a wealthy family and so they could afford all the kids that they can conceive but the reality of most of the working class people is they they abandoned most of their children this is the good old days before abortion children were just abandoned and this goes back to roman times this goes back as far as the eye can see this is what really happened before abortion is if you if you had more kids than you could handle, you just had to abandon. You had to make those hard decisions because nobody, I mean, not nobody, the wealthy can handle having lots of kids. Mm -hmm. But most of the working class people had to had to make that decision. Um, and so really, if we're talking about what is worse, what is better, I mean, it is so much better now that we have birth control that we can make, we can do family planning mm -hmm. like Look, realistically, we live in downtown New York City. 
we can't afford to have five kids. You know, <laughs> nobody can. We can afford to have one and a half <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you know, and you make that decision and you decide about when you want to have them. And then, and then you can have a reasonable life. Like it changes everything about your life. Yeah. If you can plan them out because it's, you know, it changes everything. It's financially draining. It's emotionally exhausting. It's all the things. So. Well, I think like from the fundamental circle, what I've observed is a lot of moms that are burnt out. Yeah. And moms that are depressed. Um, mm-hmm. My mother included. Mm-hmm. Because they can't keep up. You can't keep up. You can't meet your child's emotional needs, which I suffered from that. Mm-hmm. You can't meet your child's me- emotional need if you're so busy caring for the basic survival needs of the younger kids. Yeah. Like, well, they need their diaper changed. They need a f- to be fed. They need to be... And there's a 20-year age gap. Mm-hmm. So when the teen years ones need some guidance in life, and they're turned away because... There's just no space. So, like, that is the other aspect of it, too. Like, if if you take birth control away and you take abortion away, like, you're, you're going to have an awful lot of depressed and overworked and overwhelmed mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all those kids will have trauma to deal with yeah. as a result. Because neglect is just as bad in fact it is more damaging than abuse this is what what psychologists say is that when a child doesn't it's neglected doesn't get that love doesn't get that attention doesn't get told that it's special doesn't have time and emotional space that that becomes very damaging for the child yeah um all this to say we're not saying that people should have abortions so they don't have a big families. Mm-hmm. We're saying that abor- to reduce abortion numbers, we need to make birth control available mm-hmm. without judgment, without stigma, without making people feel horrible, without making them doubt any physical ailments as like, oh, that's because birth control and get off of it. Like that's mm-hmm. all part of it. Um, and even push science to find better birth controls mm-hmm. and find ways for men to be involved because really the men can impregnate a lot more females than like mm-hmm. can get a lot of girls pregnant whereas a girl is pregnant for nine months at the time like she can't get pregnant again during that nine months but like mm-hmm. i mean like like it's so why is there a sexist. male why isn't there a male pill is that what you're saying yes yeah that would make a lot of sense and that would actually reduce a lot of abortions (laughs) it would but like i dared say to someone on facebook that like well we should force vasectomies on all the men then if you want to have less abortions (laughs) because like they can get a reversal when the woman agrees to Mm -hmm. having a baby and he's like that's like asking someone to cut off their hand i'm like no it's not (laughs) i'm like am i being extreme in my example sure but he's being extreme by saying that all abortion should be outlawed. Mm-hmm. That will only push abortion women to be even less safe by going undercover for their, or not undercover, but like mm-hmm. underground and back alleys mm-hmm. and have unsafe abortions because abortions have always happened. So if you want to make a real difference, stop being pro-life or like be pro-life, but with the pro-choice 
ways mm-hmm. of like sex education and um, birth control pills. Like those are two of the key, 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 key ways that will make a difference. And in the States, like we always hear pro-life being against and wanting to shut down um, Planned Parenthood. Yeah. But like, Again, I'm on some mom groups that are secular, and some of those women find themselves stuck. They don't have uh, health benefits, and they don't have the money to go pay for what they need, and they find themselves recently pregnant. And they are able to go to Planned Parenthood to get the first prenatal care that they need. So it's not just Planned Parenthood is about abortion. No, they are there to support women. They're there to support women that need the support. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Do not seek to shut them down without replacing it with something else. Yes, replacing with something else is really the key. Yeah, it's the key. It's really the key. And like the other thing is just the other social programs. And Democrats tend to be all about the social programs, helping women, help raising the, the minimum wage and all those sorts of things. I mean, in Canada, I just recently looked at this abortion is 16 times less prevalent in Canada per capita per person there's 16 times more abortions in America America is second only to Russia in the world per capita there are more abortions in America than anywhere else in the world except Russia that's insane despite you know all the, the crazy like, pro-life marches and rallies like and yelling 50 at abortion clinics of the theoretically 50 percent approximately the population is republican and is anti-abortion wow and is trying so, all these policies and all these laws and it's been decades of and this, it's been so 50 years obviously since Roe versus Wade. it's not working <laughs> So the big difference between Canada and the United States is we have free health care, which means yeah. it's free to have a baby. Afterwards, we have nine months or what is it? We have maternal leave. Well, it depends leave. a little bit per province, okay. but it's like nine months to a year. Where After, you get 75%. 50 six, to 75%, 50 to 75% of your income yeah. to stay home with your baby. Um in some places, you can get subsidized child care. Like in mm-hmm. Quebec, I know you can get subsidized child care for like $7 a day mm-hmm. um, to help single moms or single dads mm-hmm. um, be able to go to work. Because in other places, like where we live, it's like $45 a day per kid or $50. Like how much money? That's taking like a lot of money, especially as women generally tend to not have as good pay mm-hmm. wage as a man. Um, or not be able to take the jobs that pay more because they need to be home for the kid in time after school or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, there's just so many issues. Like, yeah. But here, yeah, in Canada, it's set up pretty great with parental leave and with um, a free, free birth. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And typically the Republicans or conservatives in Canada, they're the ones pushing less support for the lower class, less, you know, um, less medical benefits and all these sorts of things. But those are the things that actually would actually concretely reduce abortions. And this attempt to try and criminalize it, make it illegal. For one thing, it seems as though it's very close to impossible because I've heard, okay, even if you get the justices, now we have the justices in place, they had to put everything on the line for the last 10 years sacrifice every other issue it seems like to get those justices in place 
But they have all said that they will only go with precedent because that's how the law works. You can't just make stuff up. Even if you're mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court, you need to go with precedents. And even if they overturned Roe versus Wade, then it would just go over to the states. And so then it, it's up to individual states. And so certainly some states would probably make it illegal, but then you can just travel to a different state. Yeah. And so all this work and putting everything on the line. And then what if it's illegal? Well, then they can just come to Canada, go to Mexico, maybe a little bit more illegal abortions. You know, it's it's putting everything on the line to try and make it illegal. But is it even possible to make it illegal? No. And also, is criminalization the best way to deal with a complex social issue? Yeah, you no. Know, when you look at drugs, for example, we recently made marijuana legal in Canada. It's legal in some states. Like, just because something's illegal, that doesn't mean people are going to stop doing it. No, right? marijuana happened before. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> In in many ways, nothing changed. I mean, no. it was happening anyways. People were doing it um, just because it's legal. Now, what that means is that people aren't going to prison for something. So, But also, it's probably more... Um, there's probably more rules to make sure it's that regulated. it's regulated. It's regulated, yeah. exactly. So you're not getting bad batches. Or yeah. That. And the same with abortion. I mean, if you make it illegal, you're going to have to find these... People that don't have reviews mm -hmm. to do your abortion. People that that can botch up your fertility for the rest of your life. Yeah. People that can kill women in the process. Mm -hmm. Like, like abortion needs to be supervised and yeah. regulated. So don't... You don't want to create a black market for abortion. No. No. That's so much worse. That's, that's against life, really. Yeah. So we're all in agreement that we want to see less abortion. Yes. That's what we're not in agreement about is how you need to go about it. Mm -hmm. And the third thing to say about policy is, this was really disturbing to me, is starting in the, around the 1960s, the evangelical movement got more and more political, got more and more mobilized, but the issue wasn't abortion. In fact, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention came together with two statements around the time of Roe versus Wade saying the Old Testament says that if a child is killed in the womb, it is not a capital offense. And they actually put in writing, the Southern Baptist Convention, that it is not a murder. But what they were concerned about was integration of schools, and it was about racism. But, of course, racism became, and segregation became less and less popular. And so abortion kind of came into the center of, you know, the scene as the, the rallying point that everybody gets excited about. But realistically, when you vote pro-life, it's not really doing anything. It's getting, but it's getting more power into the conservative court. And what else goes with that? What are what other sorts of policies go with that? Who else is is in power? Who else is getting advantage? There's so many power brokers within evangelicalism, and I just think it's so obvious that this is just a way that they can consolidate their power. They can get that knee-jerk reaction. And they can get those votes so that they can stay in power. Yeah. And and I just find that really disturbing. And, it is. Yeah. And disgusting, really. And I'll tell you why pro-lifers can't see that more. I know. Um, I'm just going to read one wrap-up paragraph. Mm -hmm. You might want to talk about it a little bit. But um, from the article that says, It's not about babies. If it were about babies... 
they would be making access to birth control widespread and free and creating a comprehensive social safety net so that no woman finds herself with a pregnancy she can't afford. They would be raising money for research on why half of all zigots fail to implant and working to mm -hmm. prevent miscarriages. It's not about babies. It's about controlling women. It's about making sure they have consequences for having unapproved sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that because... In, and that was the discussion, that was the conclusion I came to because I had this long discussion with people and I came back over and over to, look, it really seems like democratic policies would reduce abortions. Don't you want less abortions? But what people kept coming back to is, yes, but it's murder. Yes, but yes, but it's wrong. It's wrong. And it's like, it sounds like you want somebody to pay. Yeah. It sounds like you, it sounds like there's a moral guilt that you feel really strongly and you just feel as though somebody's got to pay, there's got to be blood, there's got to be repayment of this somehow. And who's going to pay? Are you going to track down the fathers and make them pay? Are you going to track down the politicians that, that you know, like who's going to pay? It's the woman. Mm -hmm. And that to me just sounds so much like Pharisees. It just sounds so much like the typical religious bullshit that we see over and over. Anytime religions go off the rails, it's the woman that have to dress funny. Anytime the religion goes off the rails, it's the woman that has more burdens and more obligations and more control. And that's what this looks like to me. It's just, a, it, I think it's just a way to control women. I'm not at all surprised that she concluded it that way. It just, as a woman, I'm sitting here just heartbroken. Yeah heartbroken for all these other for all these women that have made had to make so many tough choices because they would no longer be accepted in their circles in their churches because they wouldn't be able to feed this child that they might want mm -hmm. or that they would be willing to have and even if it wasn't planned mm -hmm. but they they know they can't take care of that women that were raped mm -hmm. women that we're sort of forced to have sex. Mm -hmm. um, and I say sort of because some people probably aren't sure if it's rape or not. Mm -hmm. And it resulted in a pregnancy. Or teen girls that were not taught anything they needed to yes. know. And had natural urges. Mm -hmm. And had sex. And it was beautiful. And they loved it. And then they are shamed with this pregnancy from the first time. Mm -hmm. And I just... I'm just sitting here just feeling so burdened for these women. Mm -hmm. These women that have to pay the price for an entire culture that wants them to pay the price. Mm -hmm. Baby isn't made with only one person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they want to make them pay the price even more by removing a choice. In my counseling, he talks so much about how important it is for people to feel like they have a choice. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't have a choice in the big picture, but you can have choices in the small part of it. Mm -hmm. If you have a choice, you suddenly don't feel hopeless yeah. and burdened and horrible. And, and people are lobbying to take away any choice. It may be a choice that they choose not to have the abortion because people can rally and help them mm -hmm. but they need the choice so that they are not forced to raise a baby that's just asking for disaster 
And the numbers seem to indicate if you, like in Canada, if there are social programs, women will make the choice to keep the child. Yeah. In far greater numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seems like, isn't that what Jesus would want? Isn't that the compassionate thing? That is. Instead of the anger, instead of the vitriol, instead of... Yelling at them. Yelling at, at women. True religion and undefiled in the sight of God is this, to visit widows and orphans in their distress. So who are the widows and orphans and what is their distress and how can we help? How can we actually help the distress? I think that's the question we need to ask. Heavy topic, but I think it's worth talking about. It's important. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Have a good night, people.